witticism. Colloquialism. Segway. You're such an egotist. Yes. By the way, guys, I'm really humble. Well, how do you do? Now when you get for free. Oh, God, it's awful. Bad Philosophy, episode 153, recorded on June 1st, 2014. Moral Broadcasting. All right, it's Bad Philosophy, and the cat Woo! is sufficiently distracted, ladies and gentlemen. Yay, no cat. Yay. So, um... I mean, we like cats, but we don't like them interrupting the podcast. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're back. I'm here, I'm Stephen Torrance, I'm your host, and we got Kevin Saunders back on the show. It's really, you know, it's just the two of us. Yep. Have we just eliminated the idea of having other people on Bad Philosophy? Has that happened? Um, I don't think so. Uh, Oso wants to come back. He actually asked me that. Okay. Um, we should have him get back on. And and now that we're doing this Google Hangout variant, um, it should be much easier to get people on. You would you would think. Um, but you know the whole like, hey, can you? We have to put in exact, some effort. Can you be online at this exact time? For yeah, sure. Well, that's, to talk, that's how it and, works. You know what I always hear is like, "What are you guys going to be talking about?" And it's sort of like, well, "Whatever." <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, yeah, and and whatever is not a good answer. Uh, what would you like to talk about? Right. Uh, so yeah, that that's a that's a problem. Maybe that it's an opportunity. Yeah, it's an opportunity. Um, well, I, I guess I should we should just jump into what are we going to talk about? Uh, what we are yeah, talking what are we about, about today? Uh, I'm going to begin with an epigram uh, because that's what we're supposed to do. Because of our rules, right, ladies yes. and gentlemen? Rules, rules are important. Rules, rules are important. Uh, Kevin, what's your epigram this week? Uh, I don't know if you've actually looked at the document ahead of time. I have. So I'm just going to uh, okay. Um, my epigram is. Uh, I'm not here to make friends," mm-hmm. said every reality show contestant ever. Yeah, yeah, you're on a reality show. That's that's not the nature of of reality shows. Um, it's it's really not. Uh, we'll we'll unpack that a little bit more, I suppose. But yeah, good start. Yeah, <laughs> uh, mine is the human condition. It seems to me is that of possessing no moral safety net. No God, no scientific law, no amount of ethical concrete can protect us from falling off the moral tightrope that it, that it is to be human. Whether that is terrifying or exhilarating is up to us. And that comes from Kenan Malik, whose book uh, on the history of uh, moral philosophy is, uh, was recently featured at the RSA. He did a talk there, and I heard that talk and kind of got the idea for today's show. Um, generally, the topics of bad philosophy over the years have been things related to stuff going on in our lives, haven't they, Kevin? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Somewhat. Um, considering we have no editorial oversight whatsoever, we just talk about the things that are interesting to us Yeah. at any given point in time, and that often makes it into the show. So, yes. says, says says the man as he plays with his cat off off screen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's having fun. It it looks I don't know, it just it looks like you're speaking to to the side of the screen. <laughs> yeah. Well it's all right. If people are, she's having are, fun. Yeah. I I don't know if people are actually like watching us. They're, um, even though we have video versions of it, like I don't know what our view count is. Um, I suspect we're not over like the magical three hundred where any view counts. I I suppose so. Yeah. Um, but I haven't I haven't seen what our what our videos are. What's our YouTube page anyway? Um, Bad Philosophy Show. We have two hundred views total on all of our videos. Um, okay. Which is not a ton, so we're you know. It's, no, we're we don't. I mean, just live we don't have huge audiences right anyway. So. so I mean that that opens me up to you know feel so much more comfortable. The pro- the problem is with that it's like so you know video goes up it's like ah oh, we had two hundred views we're so small you know such a small podcast and then like if you ever get big in the future everybody goes back and watches all of your previous videos and it's like oh yes. yeah these guys were so unprofessional back then what the hell and yeah yeah nah nah. Nah, man, nah, indeed. Um, morality. So, Kevin, yeah, okay, yeah, I got I mean, a question for you. I feel you. like we, I feel like we've done this episode before. Have we, we have. Not? So, in in a way, it's like okay. a, it's like an update. It's it's and it's not like where do moral values come from in general. I really do want to get to what 
what is what are sort of the roots of our personal moral convictions right now? Okay. And and so first, I kind of want to start off with um, yeah. like, what do we what do we mean by morality? What do we mean by ethics? Um, as I sort of understand it, and as as Ken and Malik presents it, the moral question or or sort of any any moral system it imagines it has to it does does two things. It describes humanity or a person uh, as they are, and then as they could be. And gives a reason why that difference is important, why becoming what that you could be is good, right, or or right, mm-hmm. and then a way to get there. So a reason and a uh, method. So for any person, right, like the and, and that's what I think we we sort of we don't really often think about how deep morality goes but like as, as at least as i understand it morality is your motivating factor right like for if there's sort of a driver for your actions in in the world with respect to other humans with respect to other humans like that in that sense i, I see that i still might i still might uh, i might Disagree with it a little bit. Okay, um, so I might, I might do you want to present a, differently. an alternate, an alternative understanding of, of morality? Yeah, if if I were if I were to sum it up in such ways, I would I would say it's a little more narrow than that, um, and that morality isn't necessarily your drive or your your. The, those really, morality to me is how you make decisions um about sort of your your about anything so you know given two options option a option b um morality is often the the checksum that we use against that to sort of say hey is this should i go this way or that way uh-huh. um and not all things have moral decisions to be made around them. They're, they're, they're trivial things that exist in the world. Sure. Am I going to paint my wall blue or, or waffles? Yeah. Yeah. And morality doesn't really come into play into those. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless, like, you imagine yourself as you could be as a, as a healthy person, a healthy individual... And, you know, the choice between pancakes or waffles is like, do I get the wheat pancakes and the wheat waffles? You know, like that... There's sure, and and those scopes always are always flexible. Those yeah. and they're certainly not universal. There's not a a this question is always trivial or this question is always moral, right? Um, and but when the question becomes non-trivial, I think morality is what people use independently internally mm-hmm. to guide them to a decision. So we we all we talk about like the moral compass, right? And sort of the, mm-hmm. the frameworks of that. And it's helpful, I guess, to, or it might be, to briefly summarize Ken and Malik's summary. <laughs> um, so you're getting a shadow of a shadow of a projection of a reflection. Welcome here. to the cave, everybody. But uh, yeah, everybody, get your get your get your shadow watching popcorn. Roughly, you can treat like some major some major conception, like not necessarily progress, but like general conceptions of morality have come from religion uh in in its intertwined nature with culture yeah in uh generally in the west uh he 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 actually lumps greece and india together in this um this kind of notion of gods and forces that are not good like many of them many of them have vices and uh, are sort of huge powers beyond their control uh, that man must be able to reason with, essentially. Like you, you just sort okay. of have to um, you have to treat these these entities as you know these powerful forces of nature that you you have to sort of deal with and work around. Um, kind of similarly, but in a in a slightly different sense in in some Eastern conceptions the gods are similarly so they they don't embody you know perfect virtue or um or absolute power but sort of a sort of the randomness uh, of the universe 
and that the role of, of morality is to sort of carve out a space for human uh, dignity to exist uh, in, a, mm -hmm. in an uncertain and random universe. And then as we get into kind of the 21st century, um, or, or well, then as, as you get the later sort of the Abrahamic faiths, the monotheistic faiths, the God, yeah. the singular God, um, becomes both a both the reason and the uh, the end of morality. Uh, God is you know the perfect being, and being with God is the end. And so we get rules, we get uh, you know scripture kind of laying down ethical laws to follow mm -hmm. to be a good person and to be with God. Um, Enlightenment comes along, sort of dismantles that way of, of thinking, you know, no, man himself is capable of, you know, we get that the era in which our constitution was written, this very humanistic, like, um, deism era type thing where man alone is capable of, or humanity alone is capable of, of directing themselves morally without the need of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, of a god or any gods or any sort of system of this nature. So humanism, secular humanism. Uh, mm -hmm. But then with the turn of the century, uh, disillusionment with these ideas and you sort of, uh, there's a great quote in there he has that like, if, you, if Nietzsche gave the eulogy at God's funeral, he was also the biggest celebrant at Reason's Wake. Like he, he sort of kicked off the, <laughs> <laughs> he both killed God for once and for all and, and um, kicked off the, the postmodern uh, attack on, um, on, on the Enlightenment. Of course, I would think Nietzsche didn't, I would say Nietzsche didn't kill God. I think Nietzsche recognized that God was dead something already. in society and, and labeled that as God is dead. Yeah. Um, meaning that, 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 Religion was no longer the primary motivator within society. Mm -hmm. It was this Not sort of humanistic, that. industrialistic. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and and then sort of sort of you know as those fell apart, as postmodernism has sort of taken everything apart, we were in a shaky moral position. I mean, I, I think you know you can give that to the history of of moral philosophy, and you can still go out there and find examples of any particular person any particular one of those ways in different people sure right? sure like, so all, all those sort of moral systems are, are coexisting um he brings up one mm -hmm. other which is that the that this idea that morality has and an its greatest strength now in in the negotiation between individuals that moral choice is always uh, a, a choice to do one thing or another with or to another person and that they don't sort of exist on their own, right? Like, I can't just be a good person. I can only do th good things and only do good things to a person who agrees that that is good or bad. And, and that, yeah. that those, those negotiations happen continuously and sort of fluidly. So I, I wanted to ask you, Kevin, like, it, it, do you see any of those systems in you? Like, where, where sort of is the seat for your, your moral choices, right? Uh, it, it's a good question. Um, and I don't... I don't exactly examine my morals very often. Um, How are they and, tested, and I, though? Like, like what, what sort of moral... Do, mm -hmm. do you, when have you most recently like been aware that you were making a moral decision? That's a weird thought. I don't know. Um, I mean, I've dealt with some conflict in my life recently, um, just in terms of things that are going on at work. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if I ever felt that it was a, a... I mean, I guess maybe it was, in the sense that you know, a big part of my morality is uh comes from the idea of what i consider being polite, polite. Um, which i'm not always good at um which is just which and that's and that's sort of a very twee way of saying it um but it comes from the idea of trying to have perspective and trying to not let my singular perspective overshadow that of other people um, which I know sounds so very silly when I talk about that on this show, where I have a tendency for yelling "you're wrong," right? Uh, but that's, well, but where does, I, I hope where that's does that "you're wrong" come compressed. from? Right? Like, is that do you? Uh -huh. When are you sort of compelled to show? Well, that? I would I would also argue that "you're wrong" is not that quote "you're wrong" um, is not something that I use nearly as much as I used to in my right. day to day life. Um, I mean, I mean, we've been doing this seven plus years. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm definitely 
different philosophically than I was then. I would say different morally than I was uh-huh. then. Um, when that that first "you're wrong" was was ever shouted to whoever happened to be nearby at the time. So, and and on something like this, I feel, on bad philosophy, I kind of have a, I have a willingness to sort of let that guard down. Mm-hmm. Um, although to be fair, I do I do it in real life a lot as well. I don't always notice it until after the fact, and I feel bad about it. Um, do, well, I want to kind of return to the politeness. Do, do you think yeah. that that's like that the politeness is almost you? Uh, I don't want to say feigning, but like sort of um, like perpetuating a, the moral system that you feel is appropriate in that situation at that time, even if it may differ yeah. from your own. I think I think there's some truth to that, and sort of sort of being um, there's there's definitely sort of the fact that other people exist is a big part of my moral compass. Um, so so I am I try to when possible when when interacting with other people give the benefit of the doubt and that's what i'm trying to say when i'm being when i mean being polite is sort of hmm. that, that assumption of of they're not rarely is someone actively trying to make someone else mad or um do something to harm other people um which is what i think another big part of my morality comes from is is i desire to do no harm hmm. um, which and that's a whole thing you know what is that what does that entail is that even possible? Is it possible to measure those sorts of things? Yeah, probably not. Um, but that's something I try and do is minimize the impact of and mean things or bad things I do to other people. Um, which, if I take another step further, kind of goes back to the golden rule, you know? Treat others as you would have them treat you. Um, and it is. Uh, before that's, they I, do it to you. might be an observation that Ken and Malik makes, but that, like, that idea of... of um, mm-hmm. Reciprocity, right, or or response, mm-hmm. responsiveness. But I would, to I would say that's I, I don't do that because I want them to treat me that way, mm. or or because I expect them to treat me that way. I guess what I should say, which is which is when you say reciprocity, that's what make, makes me think of. You just you um, just like, do. Well, if I'm going to treat you like this, so you'll do this for me. It's like a stance. Um, it's sort of a it's sort of a mode that you just act from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I and I I definitely try to make sure that that's where I at least start off from mm-hmm. um, in my day to day life. And I'm, I'm not successful. So there's definitely something about the uh, this sort of, you know, person I am versus person I'd like to be mindset. I certainly see that. Yeah. Um, that I'm I am not how I would always like to be. But um, that's that's definitely a part of it. And I mean, I fall back on. um you know, I think the the closest thing to a moral code that that is like something that I can use in my everyday life, as opposed to a lot of religious rules and things like that that I I grew up with and kind of you know definitely have as a part of my being. Um, those don't always those are very in a, on a metaphysical side of things. Whereas in my day to day life, I fall back on things like the Scout Oath and Law from being a Boy Scout, huh. um, because those are very easy rules. Not very easy rules, but they're very clear. You know, a scout is twelve things. That's that's seven. I'm holding up. Mm-hmm. There's two more. Um, uh, trustworthy, loyal, helpful, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Those are things that I can I can check myself against in a very easy way. And there's not always a choice. You know, when we're getting to those moral choices, where one tips the scales one way or the other. You know. Uh, the, the example we always used in scout camp was uh, you see someone who needs help with their groceries, but mom told you you had to be home by 7, and it's almost 7. It's like, well, you're supposed to be courteous and polite and kind, but you're also supposed to be obedient <laughs> and reverent, uh, which you know goes towards your parents as well as the spiritual side of things. Um, it's like, well, one of those isn't better than the other, but you have to sort of judge those things Um so that actually is something that I kind of fall back on um, sometimes, huh. as a, as not as a moral code in sort of the knighthood sense. Yeah, those are more um, more virtues, right? That that sort of comes from a, a virtue ethic standpoint, where it, you want to embody the character traits of a virtuous person. You sort mm-hmm. of have that like ideal. Um, sure. But what is uh, you know, and that's that sort of conundrum is is a great question. Like, what is the virtuous action there still 
and like mm-hmm. who gets who determines that um well and being a postmodernist, i can say there's not always a right answer um that they can both be virtuous and still have downsides and and i'm okay with that um that that flexibility or or not having a lack of answer which i think the the early virtuists might disagree with i said there, there must be a right answer mm-hmm. um whereas i definitely feel there's a a plurality of right answers well and and i guess uh it, it, as it really comes down to it okay yeah but you're making the decision right like you're you're sort of you're there in yeah. the moment there's the groceries and there's your mom at home and you make a decision and it's not and and when mm-hmm. you make a decision and this is this is sort of like the the thrust of of ethics is when you when you make that choice in any of like the trolley problems or any of these sort of tropes yeah. of ethics like if you're in the world and you make that it's easy to sort of think about well hypothetically under this moral system you do this that that and the other like but when it mm-hmm. when the rubber meets the road like you where does that choice when it, where is the the action potential you know when do we reach readiness potential and how like what triggers that um is is because you know another thing i can bring up here is like uh dawkins and the recent or sam harris and, and the atheist crowd are like they believe that the seat of morality is in the brain right so we just have certain brain dispositions that will determine whether we do one thing or another and all ethical mm-hmm. systems are sort of reflections of or abstractions of these deeper moral tendencies within the brain but at some point you as i think as the argument goes like well if if the brain state <laughs> the, the brain states that we label to be or the brain areas or, or operations that we label to be ethical are going to be affected by our conception of ethical behavior uh, and so it's not like they're and and the brain states are themselves whatever they are um they're mm-hmm. independent of our our um, our conceptions but that <laughs> well if that's the answer then there's no reason to talk about it yeah like, it, it really, it really it's, not like. a, it's not a good spot to go because there's still what do we what do we decide is decide to label it doesn't more, matter because right? it doesn't matter <laughs> um, that's the sort of that's that's the same sort of argument you get that i think uh, gets levied against a lot of uh post-structuralists and postmodernists of moral relativism reigns supreme i don't think that's actually the case but when when your answer is there is no control it's like well okay then let's stop talking about it of course we can't because there's no control well, no, yeah, and you, you really, I think you can stop talking about it, and, and this, this gets into the, another thing, it's like, we'll just live it, like, actually put, I, I don't know, like, think about actual moral conundrums that we've faced in the 21st century, right, like, do we use nuclear yeah. weapons to kill millions of people, do we allow genocide, you know, which people do we prosecute for war crimes, why, you know, um, in, in a way, like, this is, this is the domain of law, right, there, law is, Law sure. is applied ethics very much so. It's codified, like, I would yeah. say, more so than applied. Because uh, as I'm sure you're well aware, law is not always applied systematically. No, and um, I mean, it, it gets even harder and harder. That, we have to, that code to fall back on. So I, I codified ethics, maybe. But I sort of wonder if, if, if law... It, this, this gets it like, okay, moral systems change, right? Like... There yes. were laws on the books about burning witches, about stoning homosexuals. Like there were, mm-hmm. there were laws. But there still are in places. In place, and so, so what is it beyond? This is sort of the relationship between the the law and, and morality, which is a different question, maybe, and one we've never really tackled. But like, um, clearly, there's something beyond the laws that we've written down, even like the ethical codes we've written down. There's something that makes them change. There's something that makes our moral conceptions change. And, and what is that? What is that mechanism? Um, yeah. An, another theory, I'll just put this out there, like the, the idea that man must not ask the meaning of his life, but rather recognize, must recognize that it is he who is asked, he who is being asked. Kind of, I don't know, it's, it's almost like a existence precedes essence sort of a, okay. sort of a statement, right? Like, like, the, to recognize to to get into any of these moral systems, you have to start from the existence of humanity. 
right? And something mm-hmm. from something like physical, like the embodied self. And moral decisions, we, we always call it like I had a gut feeling to do this, that, or the other, right? Like moral decisions seem to be seem to originate somewhere else, right? You know, I'm not when I when I, I don't go through a consequentialist like utilitarian calculation in a split second. Uh, nobody can do that, right? Like, I'm not going to be able to work out all the yeah. consequences of a particular thing in that in that moment. I'm going to just act from something that's already there in my mind. Um, even you, I don't think you're, you know, when you're making a moral decision like in a split second, you're not going to think through like the Boy Scout things of like, well, what would a virtual no, person do? No, no, I, but I, I've, but I've embodied those long enough that I have, I have a feel for them. Um, okay. So or that, at least I like to think I do. Right, right. But no, I don't. I don't sit back and go through those twelve points or the scout oath and go, "Hmm, well, how do I?" Uh, okay, no. I mean, I I trust my gut, but that that has been honed by years of kind of think of of thinking about that, and when those extra tough decisions coming along, mm. doing my best to meet them. It's been conditioned in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get we get conditioned from morality from birth um anyway oh yeah, conditioning yeah um, conditioning so so regardless of where those morals come from they're definitely conditioned from an early age um you know that's that's what parents do that's what society does to young people is we you know we send them to school and we teach them not just the abcs and one two threes and how to math but how to interact with each other share your toys don't bite uh these these rules you know there's there's the uh, the relatively famous book everything i need to know i learned in kindergarten huh. um and there's there's some truth to that sort of thing in terms of how moral systems are imbued in people um again regardless of where they come from they're usually similar to the, those of the people around us mm-hmm. in terms of morals maybe not in the creation thereof but in the application of those systems Mm. so that whatever's going on internally doesn't necessarily have to match from person a to person b as long as the results are the same on a societal level which i think they often are not not universally or even broadly but we see similar patterns of behaviors well that we call it gets at the question yeah like like so once these (laughs) patterns start hitting each other which is really i mean we're starting to see this instead of literally hitting each other and fighting each other with weapons we're like okay within the borders of of this space this ethical system reigns supreme and then you know if we bump up against a a barrier where there's like all the ideals are different we can fight them and take them over and either lose and just you know integrate our system or whatever disappear yeah right uh or we could you know win and then you know replace their system with ours Nowadays, that battle seems to be happening in, in a much more intellectual space, right? So, you know, you look on Reddit. So we're not killing each other anymore. No, so we're just creating the, extremely the long not Reddit killing each about, other, yeah. The not killing each other moral seems to have been creeping up over time. So what, but why is, okay, we, we I'd say like humanity, tends to yeah. take things like murdering another person. Like that tends to be pretty universally not okay in at least the societies that have emerged. Except, except right. for given definitions of murder. I, yeah, so that's yeah. the interesting thing. I mean, look at look at things like the death penalty, which is still legal in how many states, including Texas, mm. and practiced regularly. Um, you look at things like uh, justifiable killing in war. Um, that's often considered something that's different from murder. We don't look at our veterans who have, who have killed people in wars across the world and say, murderer. Although some people do, right? Um, I'm, for what it's worth, very against the death penalty, um, and not sure how I feel about veterans killing people, because often it's a killer be killed situation. But they chose to put themselves there, and uh, it's kind but of they didn't. They didn't choose to put themselves in the exact circumstances, though. Yes, and know? that's and that's where it's, and that's where it becomes really tricky. Whereas when we decide to kill somebody for doing something bad or whatever we deem bad, that's a very deliberate choice that we as a society continue to make. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, um, and and that and yeah, I mean, and these 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 are obviously big questions. Let's just keep them rolling. Of course, what what is what it, what 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 I guess I'm trying to get out here is is 
trying to come up with like a social a social conception of morality right like in facebook has weirdly enough done a lot to further this you know that this this idea that okay you know can we can we really ascribe like wrongness or rightness to actions on facebook like is is you know posting certain content wrong is interacting with people in certain ways wrong and can we easily have that discussion on Facebook. I, I, I think Ken and Malik's point is we, we just, we sort of have built tools around our moral assumptions. And uh, for instance, on Facebook, that like you can't unlike, you, you can remove a like, but you can't, you can't hate dislike. something, right? I can't dislike a post. Yeah. I can hide Although it. For what it's I, worth, do, I, I do can... have a uh, Facebook like sticker upside down on the back of my computer. Uh, Sorry, I looked at that, forgetting my camera was on the thing. I got one. My mother bought me a mustache mug from Facebook gifts, uh, um, and it came with a little like like thing. And I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight the system. Zip, yeah, I'm put it upside down on my computer. <laughs> uh, you know, okay. And protest. That's that's a really good point. Like just the the general idea of protesting, right? You, you, the the charges leveled against. Um, the one the 99 percent movement were like well you're just complaining you don't have a better idea and it's like i i really feel protest is coming from a place that that doesn't really offer alternatives and is really just mm -hmm. I, it's like the gut feeling of a society it's just like if if things well up enough that people are screaming and yelling and saying this is wrong that we're we are listening collectively to something deeper and we may not be able to say why and that may be more and more of a problem as the 21st century goes on. That it may be harder to harder to recognize that kind of protest as as legitimate and necessary and and constructive for a society as it has been for for many hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Yeah. I mean, because we're seeing like, for instance, we're seeing a lack of, I guess, responsiveness to stuff such things as as what they are, which is which is a very a very human-rooted reaction against something. So a, an institution like the FCC, yeah, I mean, you can stand outside of their, their offices, but you talk about, like, the communications complex, and it's like this sort of disembodied thing that, you know, we're mm. trying to protest, we're, like, trying to figure out the ways that, that like, emotions can be conveyed through the Internet. And I think that the, the Internet is just a very bad medium for doing that, you know. Things like put, turning websites black and... Uh, you know, slowing down traffic to the FCC and all this, or like paltry attempts to sort of yeah. recreate pain, right? Like the pain of actually having <laughs> to deal with people yelling at you for something that you are doing wrong in their opinion. And, yeah. and I think it's just very easy for, for institutions to turn off all of those signals and just be like, you know, reduce it to to reason reason realm and look, your reasons are terrible, so therefore we are correct, you know, and then like not and remove it from the visceral reaction. Mm -hmm. like a, you know, it, it's almost like allowing a murderer to just sort of reason his way through a thing, and, and like without without some without being without having to like confront the family of like the people he's killed or something. Like he can just sort of talk disembodied, and and like we're unable to really relate then anymore because it's not a it's not human communication at that point. And I think I think morality is deeply rooted in in communication and in, and in empathy with other human beings. Yes, which is kind of where I was talking about being polite. Maybe empathetic is a better word, um, or sympathetic as opposed to empathetic. But being able to to understand other people have a lot they're going through too. So Slavo Zizek, because we, we love him, uh, it, it, he really likes to think about this stuff and has done a couple of films. Um, a Pervert's Guide to the Cinema and A Pervert's Guide to Ideology are his two films. Um, but uh, hmm. what I wanted to bring up Never is... Heard of those. Oh, Slavo Zizek? Have we not talked about him before? Yeah. Well, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, that needs to happen at some point. Because um, one of the examples okay. he gives, and, and I mean, he's... Crazy, maybe brilliant. Um, Starbucks, for instance, recognized that we sort of have a, um, uh, a, need, a like a moral need to feel. It used to be you had to like. I think we may have talked about this on a previous show. Like, it used to be you had to donate directly to a cause. S Starbucks went, you know, no, we're a moral organization. So just by buying our things, you are being a good person, right? And we'll just be good for you. Yes. Um, that that kind of deferring of the of the responsibility, 
Um, and those those words, responsibility, right? Like I don't I don't really have the ability mm-hmm. to respond to someone who is impacted by such a choice as like buying a cup of coffee from a particular place, right? I just I just yeah. can't do that. And therefore it's very tough to sort of have a moral sense in that case, isn't it? So like more and more of our lives are they just sort of fall in this this terrible moral gray area where we can't even it's it's not like it's not like there isn't a right way. It's like we can't even figure out whether there is a right decision there, you know. Mm-hmm. Are you sensing that anymore? In the same way that I am or uh maybe? I don't know. I'm, this is this is getting a little head trippy for me, and my allergies are acting up, so my brain is not fully functioning. Well, in a way, we've we've kind of brought it back around to like the beginning of this of this three episode arc. This has sort of been our our question here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, bring it back to an individual level, though. Like we can, I, th- I think what happens is is that like because of that, like on a on a on a social level, on a political level, we are then more inclined on a personal level to do the same sort of thing. Like if I'm on a bus, I can just put my earphones in and, you know, there may be mm-hmm. like an argument going on over there or like a person who needs help and I just may not notice them or I may be like, more, like because I've sort of created sort of a bubble for myself or I can just like pull up my phone and be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't notice that yeah. happening, right? We just sort of walk past each other on the streets. It like makes us more inclined to lose that empathic connection. Connectivity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I've, I've wondered about that as well in the past. I mean, just just in terms of, you know, the, there's definitely people who are who are maybe fearful of, of technology and the impact it'll have. I don't consider myself one of those. But the the worrying about the the lack of connectivity, and I think that it's not that it's necessarily going away. Um, I think it's changing, and I think the social circles that exist today are different than they were pre-internet um and i think the moral circles change because of that as well because something we haven't really talked about that i think kind of goes back to the the groceries or be late question um my gut instinct for that response has always been um well you got to be home on time that's the more important thing because you have a relationship with that with your mother already that exists um and there's there's something I think to a morality to to distance in terms of morality mm. that I'm just kind of starting to put together in my head. But the idea that a you know the better I am related to someone, be it not necessarily a blood relation, but you know the closer I am to somebody, um, the stronger my moral compass towards them. Which I think is why you can put your headphones on and ignore the people on the bus. Or I think is why you can vote to kill somebody with a death penalty that you've never met. Oh yeah, um, yeah, same sort of thing is happening um, because yeah. because there's there's a dis- distancing there, um, and I think things like the internet have have changed who we are close to, um, so that you know one person's moral group or social group may not be physically close to each other, whereas in the past that was always the case. Your neighbors were your social group, the people you saw on a day-to-day basis because you walked out of your house and interacted with them. Um, and so that that distance has changed. It's now a distance through the internet, through interactions digitally. And, you know, we've talked about the, you know, you only can have this many, you know, 150 social people in your network or else it starts yeah, breaking the, down. Yeah, the Dunbar number, um, right? <laughs> the Dunbar number. And that's sort of, and so as those numbers have grown on the digital space, they, in the physical realm, have become smaller. Um, I don't know anybody who lives in my apartment a- complex. Actually, um, because Dunbar was on an RSA talk recently, actually that's not true. Um, that as, as social network sizes have theoretically increased, they've found that um, people's level of uh, like close friends and then like second level group friends, like physical, physical friends that they, and time that they spend with people in the real world, um, that, that size has actually stayed relatively constant. So you just, it, it, we just sort of increased the theoretical number of, of people that we're connected to 
but okay, we're but actually oh, it's maybe close the number to this. Changed, it's the same. Guess, it's like the... It, it hasn't actually gone down. Yeah. So so it's like okay, we, we still have that conception, that. but we have like this this other this other sphere, and, and like the edges get a lot more confusing. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I would argue, or I would ask, how many of those people in that that number that isn't changing? So the number is staying the same, but how many people in that physical space group? are based on or enforced by the larger digital group as opposed to being enforced by some other methodology such as physical relationship, you know, the fact that we ride the bus the same place every day or the fact that, you know, you live two doors down from me. Um, I'm curious what the overlap there is um, and if that, if there aren't more in that 150 social nearby that are enforced by the larger digital scale. I, I, I mean, I can only speak from experience, and I mean, you're, you're personally there now, and I was there. Like, the, the experience of being in the Apple Store was, mm-hmm. and, you know, almost quantifiably, but, you know, I felt it too, was like the closest, the closest knit I'd ever felt in a community of people. Mm-hmm. And, and what were the elements there? Like, you, you, you were all working, you were all working with sort of the same vocabulary in the same place. Mm-hmm. At this uh-huh. frequently, like you were spending a lot of time with these people, and there was there was a, a responsibility to them because you could you could very easily see how your actions affected the other people that you worked with. So there was yes. sort of all those factors were there, and and like and what happened then is that that like being in that physically tight community made the digital community that I felt I was capable of being part of much smaller. And then after leaving yes. the Apple Store, I felt like I'm much more capable of being part of a larger digital community. But the types of relationships are not as strong. I I really have to. I can say that. Like it's. I'm finding fewer. I, I don't have a community, right? Like, and that's that's I think a place that a lot of people in the 21st century in the modern world find themselves. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely, I definitely agree that and I can see that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of power there in terms of how the digital and the, the social interact with each other, digital or physically social. So it's like, it's like um, we're getting, we're getting misaligned there, right? Like our, our, the, the priorities of our interactions in general and like the kind of knowledge and the kind of work we're doing uh-huh. are, are diverging very much so and, and almost like going off orthogonally into the internet, right? Like it's, it's going into this other communication layer that is, that is physically, you're right, it's like this distance, it's physically separated from the physicality of being in the world next to other people. So like, you know, your apartment complex example, I think everyone would agree with that. Most people probably don't know their next door neighbors in modern yeah. apartment complexes much less talk with them on a regular basis. And you're sort of, there are awkward moments where you're sort of forced to recognize that, oh my God, there are these, these people that I live around and I don't know them and it's yes. kind of scary. And it's I'm like, surrounded yeah. by strangers. <laughs> and, and that's terrible. Like that really, it's, it's like deeply disconcerting, right? <laughs> it, it is a little bit. Um, yes, it is a little bit weird and disconcerting. Um, but why, but like, why are we not, why don't we just like go next door and say hi to people? Right? Like, why doesn't that happen? Do we feel like we don't, there's no reason to? Because I got too many people in my social circle. My digital social circle. Like, like we we just feel we don't have the capacity to to do that. Like, we're already, all our slots are full, right? Yeah. Hmm. And I mean, that's really interesting how they sort of can affect each other. Like, I, I was sort of forced, I guess, for that to happen in the Apple world. But once I was in it, that felt really good. And so I don't uh-huh. know if I, I, I would have sought it otherwise. So, and I think this is where people are finding that it's like they, they're missing something, but they don't know what they're missing. And there's not enough of a compulsion to go find it, right? Or we don't feel like we can easily put ourselves into a community easily enough. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if we want to leave it here. I mean, this is, this is a... Big, big, big question. Of course um, it is, and we're never gonna we're never gonna answer it. We've we've dealt with it before, and we'll probably deal with it again sometime in the future. I, th- I but... think it would be interesting to revisit, and and especially see if. Tell oh you my what, God, seven it feels years like... from now, we'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Have things gotten worse? Have they gotten better? Can we even tell? Ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I'm going to do a thing tonight uh, that that sort of 
relates to this, pun intended. Um, there's there's a group of people working in Austin on on a thing called authentic relating, and I, and I don't know okay. if I've talked about this on a show before. Have I? Was this on one? I don't think so. Um, the, if you do, I don't remember it. It's 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 just like using using kind of mindfulness practice and and um, kind of like the games we did at Texas Tech in in the residence halls. Yeah. Uh, the the you know get people into a circle, get them physically interacting, like break the ice, and then get them noticing things about each other and connecting. And and you remember like the, the community building, like there's yeah. a, it's a thing you have to do now, right? <laughs> I think this is maybe what I was getting at earlier is. Apple built that community in virtue of, all right, we're going to have a store, there are going to be people in it. But you can build community in much more lightweight ways, right? Like the, there, were, there were bonds formed over, you know, a game that took half an hour in college. Like I saw this, you know, the people that, that literally met each other because you counted them off and like they all went into a group, they, be, mm -hmm. they would like stay together for three years, Right, like there was yeah. some bond there that just that formed in that moment, and it it's not a it's not difficult. It just takes like recognizing it and being intentional about it. Um, we we just I, I think in general people aren't thinking in those terms. There's a lot of mistrust. There's a lot of suspicion. There's like that feeling like I'm just I'm alone with a bunch of strangers. Oh, yeah. um, and it takes someone yeah. else going. No, y'all are related. That is a fact. <laughs> And, and, and just Deal like from tautology, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let's, let's leave it here for now. Okay, we can leave it here. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, also, I have to pee. Okay, uh, I, will, I will wrap things up while you do that, if, if you'd like, and then we'll figure well, out. I, I can wait. Like, we okay. Can, we can, it's, not right. like, it's not like four alarm chili. Good, because that... I, I, now I've got a mental image, and it's not any better than what I was thinking before. So, um, been there, been there. Bird, birds You're welcome, going in, America. Um, this has been an interesting arc. I think so. We'll have a rule set update episode next. Uh, we were going to have one today, but yes. I realized that we hadn't actually had three episodes. So, um, we'll change, uh, remove, and add rules uh, soon. Maybe next yeah. week. Maybe the week after. Before episode um, one. I'm I'm totally willing to uh, say, hey, comment on this somewhere if you have opinions on what the next one should be. What's the audience doing next time? Mm, Last time they removed the rule. Is, is it uh, add or change? Adding. Audience is adding. I am changing, okay. or I am removing, and you are adding. That is the okay. next in They're the changes. Um, so if anybody uh, wants to uh, make a suggestion for what to add, I know we said we'll just invite somebody on, but that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, feel free to leave comments on what rule you think we should add to the Bad Philosophy podcast. Podcast. There's a word all the time. Um, um, have we used that that one before? I feel like we've made. I that don't mistake. think. No, we we said prodcast. Remember, there was there was an old old thing where I would like jab you with a cattle prod. Mm. Podcasting. Um, so way think, back when. I think we've that's, got our show that's title. like early. Yeah, that's like deep cut. Yeah. Um, early Man, bad philosophy. If we can, if we can, I'm gonna if, pretend it was. If, it if was our a fans, if purpose. you want to, uh, Deuce Plume, if you're out there. Uh, A.K.A. Squeezy. If you want to go through all of Bad Philosophy and find podcasting, like find that uh, somewhere in there. It was then. one of the video episodes we did. Um, it was when we were recording in Hugh and Clement in like their conference rooms. I can I can remember it early, uh, like first four. Well, I'm probably going to cut all this because this was technically the outro. But um, fun okay. fact, and yes, podcasting. Um, this has been Bad Philosophy. I'm, I'm Stephen Torrance. You can find me online at, at, at S. Torrance. And uh, I guess I'll announce it here because, you know, it won't go out to that many people. But um, I'm pretty close to launching a Patreon channel for uh, my sign language stuff. And we're also pretty close to launching a Patreon channel for Bad Philosophy. And Yeah, um, we're definitely moving in that direction. We are. Um, crowdfunding, it's a thing. It might be more of a thing for, for me than for this show, just considering the fan base. But yeah. we very more people will give you money than they will give us money. Mm. Hopefully, we'll, we'll see. It might be that they will not give either of us money in, in under any circumstances. That's, that's also a possibility. Um, but as as oh, we didn't even get into like the whole question of 
um, standards of value and all this, but maybe no. that'll be another day. Vote, That's vote, okay. make moral decisions with your dollars. Um, and then Kevin, do you have any announcements to make? Uh, no. I've started reading the entire run of uh, John Constantine Hellblazer, the original comic series from like the 80s to 2013. All right. Oh, I got the uh, new McSweeney's. I got that. Oh, did the, you? In the mail. Yeah. Uh, the uh, that's the uh, the Latin American mysteries or something like that. The Latin American crime stories. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that one looks really cool. Um, I'm totally gonna buy it on eBay when it shows up. Uh, or you can just borrow it from me after I'm done reading it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've I've real. I mean, I think you have known this about me, Stephen, but I'm totally like a collector of things. I like oh, to have sets okay. and. Uh, so like I yesterday I bought a couple more issues on eBay, uh, hmm. old back issues, and I almost bought one last time went to half price books, but I wanted fifty bucks for it, and I was kind of like, eh. how um, many? Um, how how close are you to completing your collection? N- nowhere near. I've got maybe four or five episodes of or issues of McSweeney's currently. Okay, and they're and they're four, like ten four. bucks a piece, fifteen resold, like. How much? Do you uh, get for? Depending on how, like the new ones, you can get for as little as like five bucks plus shipping if you know where to look. Um, the older ones, and there's some rare ones that go for like a few hundred dollars. Um, I'm not trying to get those right now, um, but I, I bought issue 42, um, which is the same. It's got six stories told like 12 times, um, so they get like retranslated out of English and then back into English and out of English and back into English. Awesome. Um, and so, like, and I mean, this is this is the thing. Like, I'm like, this this is why I love this magazine is because <laughs> they do things like this. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's that's when I was like, it was like four dollars plus free shipping on eBay. Buy it now, in quote unquote acceptable condition, meaning you know nothing's broken about it. And I'm like, well, yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not a mint collector. I just like to have the things because they're fun and I want them. Uh, awesome. Not because I plan on reselling them in the future. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. We're, we're already past okay. an hour. Um, yeah. Thank, thank we'll you for watching and or listening to, to Bad Philosophy. If you want to weigh in on this, it's the internet. You can comment on things. It's okay yeah. that you didn't watch the live stream. Um, suggest new rules. Yeah. Uh, suggest someone new has, rules. We're going to pick one that somebody suggests probably... Unless we get a live guest to actually make a change on air. Yep. Yeah, we'll put links to the uh, all, all the stuff we mentioned in the show notes of uh, the video. And, uh, of course, on badphilosophy.com. Uh, you can follow us still, twitter.com slash badphilosophy. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Badphilosophy.com For realsies!